Good to have you in the Lord's house. Uh, glad that you're at Kavanaugh, your church for life. And I know God is going to do something amazing in our service today. Uh, I was thinking about Romans chapter 10 this morning. In verse 9, the apostle wrote that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says... Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. And then verse 13, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen? Isn't that good news? Wow. You can give God a big hand for that. Uh, Tuesday is a huge day, October 31st. Who knows about Tuesday, October 31st, all right? You, you think it's, it's a day to dress up and go get candy and, and uh, have your closet uh, replenished with your kids' candy so that you can munch on it while they're at school? There is more to Tuesday, October 31st, than Halloween and getting candy. 500 years ago, on October the 31st, 1517, a marked difference happened in our world. A young monk by the name of Martin Luther posted 95 theses on the church doors in Wittenberg. It was his grievances against the Catholic Church. And amongst other things, what he was trying to get the world to see is that, you know what, you can go to God alone. Salvation is in Christ alone, by grace through faith alone. And it is in Scripture alone. And thus the Protestant Reformation began 500 years ago. We will celebrate that this, this Tuesday. Big key to the whole Protestant Revolution and Reformation was that truth is found in the Scripture alone. Church history is awesome, and the church can benefit from it, but the truth is in the Word of God. It's God's Word that sets people free. It's God's Word that transforms lives. It's God's Word that can change your heart this morning. And so as we celebrate the, uh, the Protestant Reformation on Tuesday, I could think of no better way to spend our Sunday than talking about God's Word. And today we're delighted to have the Gideons with us. Uh, we've had Gideons before, but I tell you what, we've, we've got the Triune Gideon Association with us today. We've got three of them. Uh, Fort Smith is divided into two different camps. There's the South Side Gideon Camp, and that's what these guys belong to. Our church is in the South Side of Fort Smith. And so uh, Lonnie Binion is with us today. Lonnie's the president. Would you stand up? Lonnie Binion, President, Gideon's Fort Smith Southside. He's affectionately known as these, by these other guys as the old man in the suit. And you may hear more about that. You're a good-looking man in the suit is what I got to say. There you go, buddy. Brad Johnson is with them today. Brad, would you stand up? Brad is their bodyguard. <laughs> We're get, glad to have you, Brad. And, and then Brad Lewis is with us today. Uh, Brad is going to be speaking to us this morning and uh, bringing a challenge not only from the Gideons, but also from the Word of God. Uh, Brad and his family live here in uh, Fort Smith. Uh, he's a businessman in town. And uh, this morning, I, I grew much fonder for Brad, uh, finding out that uh, he was at the Greenwood football game Friday night. All right? And in fact, his son plays in the band, and he lives not too far from me. And so, uh, in fact, Angie, he just sets down a few uh, rows from us every Friday night, and I didn't even know he sat down there. Uh, all of the yelling comes from my wife, Brad, all right? I understand that. We're so glad that Brad is with us. He has a great presentation. Would you give him a big Kavanaugh welcome 
as he comes this morning. Bless you, my brother. Good to have you. Good morning. I want to know about Jesus, and I want to know about Jesus. That's what Tim from Wisconsin heard of if he went to a restaurant in Uganda to break for lunch, and he had the opportunity to witness to the waitress. And after she walked away, a customer came up and said, I want to know about Jesus. And he had the opportunity to show them and lead them to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Amen. And then another customer came up and said, I want to know about Jesus. And by the time Tim and the local Gideon left that restaurant, he personally led six people to the saving knowledge Amen. of That's Jesus awesome, Christ. Amen. That's awesome, man. That's great. Now, Tim, if you look at the picture on the right, uh, he's the one in the middle. That's, that's us trying to blend in <laughs> in Uganda. <laughs> I want to thank you for your continued support of the Gideon ministry. And thank you, Pastor, for giving me this opportunity to represent the 300,000 Gideons. We're now in 200 countries, distributing nearly 93 million copies of God's Word every year in 102 different languages. For we cannot do what we do without your support. And what we do is place copies of God's Word in the hands of individuals all around the world. And last year, I had the opportunity to get to go to Uganda to distribute God's Word. Now, Uganda is a little bit smaller than the state of Oregon. has 37 million people and a 74% unemployment rate. And we got to have the privilege to join about uh, nine other Gideons from a, four different countries to spend one week distributing God's Word in Uganda. We went to 400 schools and we distributed 80,000 copies of God's Word and we personally witnessed several hundred people make decisions for Christ. Now one of the Gideons that led one of the teams there is Raphael from Taiwan. Now Raphael and I, we didn't have a whole lot of time to talk during the week. Uh, this was at the Dubai airport on our way out of Uganda, and we had each had a three-and-a-half-hour layover. And this is 3 o'clock in the morning when Raphael says, hey, let's take a picture of how tired we are. So, and I was tired too, like, sure, that's a great idea. Didn't know I was going to be showing it in churches. But now you may look at Raphael and say, he doesn't really look like a Raphael. That's because he is Chinese from Taiwan, but nobody could pronounce his Chinese name. So he said, just call me Raphael. Like, that'll work. So his name was Raphael. And the three and a half hour layover we spent at the airport, I got to know Raphael a lot better and hear his testimony. He said he was born in a home of witchcraft, voodoo, Satanism, the occult, anything but Christianity. And he brought that with him to the United States as he finished his college education at Indiana University. And there he met a young Christian girl from Taiwan. Now, her being Christian didn't bother him. They didn't really talk religion a whole lot. But he knew she was a Christian. 
And he said he never really thought about it until one day, walking to the class, an old man in a suit handed him a little testament. Now, normally, I have Lonnie stand up at this time to, to demonstrate that, but I told him I would take it easy on him this morning. But he said he started to read this Bible because he wanted to know a little bit more about what his girlfriend believed. And he said, Brad, when people tell you that they can't put the Word of God down once they start reading it, he said, believe them. That because once I started reading I literally could not put it down. I knew that my life needed to change, and I knew I was reading the truth. And I couldn't wait to get to the back, and there I could sign my name after I prayed and asked Jesus Christ to come to my heart. Now fast forward a little bit, and him and his girlfriend, they moved back to Taiwan. They got married. They had a young daughter, and then the Gideons called and asked him if he would join the ministry and he said, I was elated to get to join the ministry that was so instrumental in me becoming a Christian. And then they called and said, would you like to go to Uganda to distribute God's word? And he said, I couldn't wait to get here because I know firsthand how a little testament like this can change a life forever. Now, he also sent a message for me to share with you back home. <laughs> you have to understand, I was with two Tennessee fans, an Alabama fan, and a Florida fan. So the SEC was well represented, and I tell people I was there to proselytize for God and the hogs. So I had to work fast. But. Now, in Uganda, they teach English. So what we would consider about second or third grade and up is when they start learning English. So if we're at a primary school, the kids, I usually need a translator because they, they don't quite have the English down yet. Now when we're at a secondary school, they should, not only should they be able to understand English, but they look forward to hearing English and speaking English with somebody. Uh, so we're at a secondary school. And I'm speaking, what we do is they gather all the children together, and we hand them a Bible, and then after we hand them the Bible, we go through the Bible with them, because we know we have to leave and get to the next school as fast as we can, so they're going to be on their own, or we look for a teacher who may be a believer that could help them, but we want to show them the help section in the front of the Testaments, so no matter if they're afraid or they're lonely or they're angry, they can go here to find out what God's Word says about it. And then we tell them a little bit about the Bible. We tell them we didn't come halfway around the world just to give you a book. We came around halfway around the world to share God's love letter with you. And it's the only book you'll read where the author is speaking to you as you're reading it. And we get to tell them about God and about Jesus and why he lived and why he died and how he rose again. Then we go to the back. And as many of you know, in the back we put a plan of salvation back there. Starting with John 3.16, for God so loved the world. And I was at this point when I said, for God so loved the world, when one of the local Gideons stepped up to me, kind of elbowed me a little bit and said, Brad, I'm going to interpret for you. I said, okay, you know, this is a secondary school. They should understand, but you know, maybe it's a slow secondary school. So that's fine. And so I start again, 
For God so loved the world, and I pause for him, and he says, for God so loved the world. And I said, wait, 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 you're speaking English. He goes, yes, Brad, your accent's too strong. (laughs) So for the first time in my life, I had an English-to-English translator. (laughs) Still, I haven't gotten over that, I don't think. So later on in the week... Uh, I'm with Tim from Wisconsin. Remember him? I'm excited to work with him. One, because you know he had people coming up and just asking him how to get saved. And I was like, I want to be part of that. And two, he's from Wisconsin. You know, they speak funny. Like, no one's going to understand this guy. So I'm excited to hear them not be and understand him. And we decided we're going to alternate who speaks at which school since we're working together that day. And so we go into the headmaster's office and we tell them who we are, where we're from, what we're there for. We want to have all the children outside so we can give them a Bible. And he looks at the local Gideon and he points to Tim and he goes, him I understand. And he points to me and says, him, his accent too strong. <laughs> so I don't understand. Perfectly good Arkansas English. I don't understand. <clears throat> so at this particular school, it was my turn to speak. And we're outside talking to the the children, and I'm going through the same thing with the help section, and I'm telling them about the Bible and about Jesus, and I get to the back, and I start with John 3.16 again, and as soon as I do, this gentleman steps up beside me and just starts talking over me, and so I get quiet, and I just listen to what he's saying. I'm a little bit offended. One, no one can understand me, but he's just talking over me, but I start to listen to what he says, and he's going through every verse in the back starting with John 3.16, how God loves us all and wants us all to go to heaven. But we have a problem. We have a sin problem. And he goes on to talk about the sin problem. But God gave us the remedy for our sin, which is Jesus Christ and how he died for our sins. And all we have to do is accept him. And he's telling them that. He says, and as your headmaster, I would love the opportunity, if any of you are ready today to ask Jesus Christ into your heart if you let me pray with you this prayer. And you can't see it all, but about a third of the student body raised their hand if they wanted to pray and ask Jesus into their hearts with their headmaster. So we felt very comfortable in leaving that school because we have to hurry up and get to the next school. You don't know what's going to happen when you leave. But with him, a headmaster that cares so much and loved his children so much, he wanted to be the one to pray with them. He didn't want the Arkansas English to be mistranslated anyway. I get that too. But also, he just needed us to open the door, and he went running through it so he could be the one to lead those children to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now, the Gideons, we, uh, we work really hard to be good stewards of your money. You know, 100% of any money you give to the Gideon goes to the printing and placement of the scripture. For example of how we're be good stewards is in the 1960s. These little testaments cost us $1.35 a piece. Today, they cost us a little less than $1.25 to copy, to print, and distribute these little testaments. We feel like if we can keep costs low or even lower them, that allows us to spend more of your money on Bibles. And we can buy more Bibles with your money. So we try to be very good stewards of the money you give us.
This man's name is Expedito Ahibra, or at least that's how I say it in my Arkansas English. But Expedito is a, a Gideon in Uganda. And I, I do want to say that we do not talk about uh, the Gideons or lift up individuals or Gideons or the, really the ministry. It's about Jesus and it's about his word. I just want to give you an idea of the type of people and the sacrifices that they make in every country that we go to. Expedito, uh, he, he was a hard worker. He's good to, he loves working and talking to children, but he's a hard worker. And so he didn't say much until about the last day I was there. And he was my, my partner for the whole week, driving me around in that truck that I was really scared if I was ever going to make it back home again. But Expedito finally opened up a little bit. And come to find out, we have a lot in common. We are the same age. Our wives are the same age. We got married the same year, and we joined the Gideons the same year we got married. We both have two children, a boy that's older and then a girl that's younger, and both of our children are the same ages. So we have a lot in common. He is me on the other side of the world. But then he, as he opened up more, he said, Brad, I pray every day that God will not allow my children to be as poor as I am. He works two jobs. And he said, I cannot afford a decent house for my family. We live in a tent at a campground. He said, I pray my kids will never be this poor. But yet he took off work for a full week from both jobs to drive me around in his truck that's about to break down. Because it's so important to him that the children of Uganda get a copy of God's word. And that's the kind of people we run into and we're working with all around the world. Now, at the end of the week, we had a pastor's appreciation banquet. This is Monica. She's a teacher at one of the local schools there. And she stood up to the podium to give her testimony. And she held up a little testament of old-looking testament, looked like it's been read a lot, and she said, in 1986, the Gideons came to this school, which she's now a teacher of, and I was a little girl there, and they handed me this Bible, but they didn't just hand me the Bible and leave, they actually showed me how I could ask Jesus Christ into my heart, and I became a Christian that day. Then she held up another testament and said, a few years later, you came back, and you gave this testament to my sister, and you also led her to the Lord. Then she held up a third testament, and she said, a few years ago, you came back to the same school I'm now teaching and handed this testament to my daughter, who is now my sister in Christ. And she thanked the Gideons for not only coming, but to come back and to come back and to come back. It's just like Isaiah 55, 11 says, the verse we've been standing on for over a hundred years. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return void. Now you may be asking yourself, how can I help this ministry? And I'm glad you asked. I have some answers for you. One, pray. We need you to pray for our ministry. We're in 200 countries. There's only about 225 countries in the world. Those last 25 or so countries, 
Almost all of them are Muslim countries. We need your prayer to help us get into those last 25 countries so we can be all around the world. Could also join the Gideons. We need more Gideons and Auxiliary to help us distribute copies of God's Word. And then you can use the Gideon cards. You can go online to use them, or you can use them here. We'll have some for you here in just a little while. We'll bring a brand new rack for you. But the easy way to remember it is every time you send the card, you send the word. So the more you use the cards, the more you send the word. So you can use the card program. We have a couple of fairly new things. The life book is uh, the book of John that basically we print it and we provide to the youth groups for free for them to take them inside the schools and distribute them to their friends. As you know, it's increasingly difficult for us to, to distribute Bibles, especially inside schools. We don't get in very many of them anymore. We have to stand outside, but there's nothing prohibiting the children from taking them inside and handing them to their friends. So the life book is an excellent way to do that. And then we also have a program called Friends of the Gideons. If you don't want to become a Gideon or you don't uh, qualify to be a Gideon, you can become a friend of the Gideons, which you're a financial partner, and you also get to buy these Bibles, uh, minus the Gideon emblem, so you can use them for personal witnessing yourself with the plan of salvation in the back for you. So a friend of the Gideons is a great way to help out the ministry. Now, Uganda reminded me a lot of Malawi. About seven years ago, I had the opportunity to go to Malawi with the Gideons to distribute Bibles. I joined a team of 21 other Gideons from nine different countries. and We went to 888 schools, handed out 240,000 copies of God's Word. And most importantly, you see up there nearly 3,000 people made decisions for Christ. Now, in Uganda, I had Tim from Wisconsin. In Malawi, I had Tom from Indiana. Tom, he got to find out firsthand what they mean by time in Africa is elastic. Meaning, just because they tell us that someone will be there to pick us up at 7 a.m. with a truckload of Bibles, the emphasis is on the a.m., not the 7 so Tom didn't get picked up till 8.40 in the morning. I have to confess that if it was me that got left behind, I probably would have just gone back to my hotel room and complained or uh, something. And then uh, Tom didn't do that. Tom, he looked for opportunity, and he saw it with five construction workers working on the outer wall of the hotel. And Tom had one little testament in his pocket. So he went out there to start talking to them. By the time his ride came at 8.40 in the morning, all five people had accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Now remember, time in Africa is elastic. So just because they tell us that school lets out at 2 o'clock doesn't actually mean 2 o'clock. It could be 1.30, 12, even 11.30 if they didn't have enough food to feed them 
They would send the kids home and close school for the day. So we're always in a hurry to try to get to as many schools as we can. But then it, it's, we're also going against when the school is let out early. That hurts us trying to get those children the Bibles. But a lot of times we would be driving toward the schools and we would see the whole student body walking away. They're walking home because school let out. So a local Gideon would hold a Bible out the window and he would tell them, we are going to the school and whoever is there is going to get their own copy of God's word for free. And so we would drive on to the school and every time you look back, you would see signs or scenes much like this one. They would all turn around and sprint as fast as they could to get back to the school just because we told them they're going to get a free Bible. Now, unbeknownst to us at the time, the school here was still two miles away, and these children sprinted the entire two miles to get back so they could get their copy of God's Word. Now, Malawi was the first time I'd ever been to Africa. This was seven years ago, and I was excited. I was nervous. I didn't know what to expect, but I knew I wanted to have pictures and lots of pictures. So the first school we get to, I'm, I'm nervous, but it's a primary school, and so the children don't know English. I need the local Gideon to stay with me to interpret, and so I go to a teacher, and I ask them. I give them my camera, uh, not my phone, my, the old-fashioned camera, and I said, can you please take pictures for me? And he said, yes, yes, no problem. So I get to talk to the children. We hand them the Bibles. I get to go through the Bible with them, through the interpreter. And then we leave there and we walk to the secondary school. And as we're walking, I'm excited to find out what pictures he took at my very first school. And I run up to the teacher and I get my camera and I start looking through it. And he took one picture. still makes me laugh every time. <laughs> Fortunately, I had other people there that did have cameras, and I got some, some good pictures from that school from them. You know, everywhere we went, we're talking about Malawi, we're talking about Uganda, every school we went, we handed the children Bibles. We watched them. When we tell them, we're going to give you your copy of God's Word, we see their eyes light up, we see a smile on their faces. Sometimes they broke out in clapping and singing and cheering when we just told them they're going to get a copy of God's Word. And then when we hand them the copy, we watch how they react to it. They hold it. A lot of times they protected it, put something on it so it wouldn't get dirty. They would, they would hug it, and we even watch them start kissing the Bible when they receive the Bible. And when we start to hand them the Bible, the, the boys would bow as a, and they would hold their hands out as you lay the Bible in their hands. And the girls would take a curtsy. And sometimes, though, they would come up to take a Bible and they would fall to their knees and bow their heads and raise their hands above their heads so you could lay that precious Bible in their hands before they take it and then they preserve it and protect it. And we told them that this Bible is yours. And you can put your name in the front. And see, they would get so excited because they own nothing. And the fact that they could put their name on it, they would get excited about that. But then we watched as hundreds of them, and sometimes thousands of them, we'd see them put their name in the back. After we go through the salvation with them and we tell them, when you belong to God and you ask Jesus into your heart, then you can sign your name in the back. And we watched many of them sign their name in the back. 
We also had a pastor's appreciation banquet twice when we were in Malawi. And we got to hear and meet a man named Happy Narinda. Now, Happy shared his testimony and said his childhood was anything but happy. He said, see, when he was young, his parents divorced, which is not that uncommon. The problem with this one is that neither one of them wanted him. He said, I guess my dad drew the short straw, and I ended up living with him. Things were actually going pretty good, I thought, until he remarried. And the new mom didn't want anything to do with Happy. So they shipped him back to the mom. And she said she would put up with him as long as she could and send him back to the dad. And this went on back and forth. He went living for the next several years until at the age of 13, his mom said, okay, look, you can stay here, but not under my roof. So in Malawi, they all cooked their own bricks and they all built their own houses. And that's what he had to do behind his mother's house by himself at the age of 13 was to make his own brick and build his own hut. So there he is in that little hut behind his mother's house on a little bed that he had made. And he was thinking, what am I doing here? Nobody loves me. Not even my father and mother love me. If I were not here, they would not even look for me for probably several days because nobody cares. So he decided, you know, why not? Why not make myself not here? And he decided he was going to end his life. So I went and got a rope and he brought it into this little hut that he had built. He climbed up on this bed and he had a large tree branch that was pretty much the only support for his roof. And he tied one rope into the rope there, put the other end around his neck, and he's about to jump off the edge of the bed when a thought went through his mind that somebody somewhere had told him that it was an evil thing to commit suicide. He wasn't exactly sure what that meant. He didn't know if there was even a God or a heaven or a hell or anything else. But he did think, you know, maybe I should cover my bases before I jump. So he gets off the bed, and he kneels down beside the bed, and he says, if there be a God, any God, please forgive me for what I'm about to do. But there's no reason for me to be here, because nobody loves me. Not even my father or mother care about me. So he stands back up, and he starts to get back up on the bed, and there's this three-legged nightstand that he had found, and he had it leaning up against his bed, and he accidentally knocked it over. And there just so happened to be a book that was on that nightstand that an old man in a suit gave to him several years before. But he had never looked at it, never read it, didn't know what was in there, but he thought this might be a good time to see what's in here. And he opens it up, and the very first verse he reads is Psalms 27.10, which says, Although my father and mother have forsaken me, the Lord will take me up. So he gets back on that bed, but instead of standing up to put his head in the noose, he sits down and he reads that verse again to see if he understood that correctly. When, Although my father and mother have forsaken me, the Lord will take me up. And then he continues to read. And he reads about a God that loved him so much that he sent his son down here to die for him. 
And he started thinking, well, if this guy came to earth to die for me, then maybe my life has some purpose. And he also found out that somebody does love him. So as you can see on the picture, he has the Gideon pin on his lapel. He's now a fellow Gideon trying to get as many of his countrymen a copy of the Word of God. And he talked to us. He called us the international Gideons, all of us from the nine different countries. He said, you're international Gideons. Please understand. Don't stop doing what you're doing. He said, I'm not the last little boy that feels like nobody loves him. And I'm not the last teenager that's thinking about ending their life. And I'm certainly not the last person whose life has hit the bottom of the barrel and it needs God's word to be there to lift them up. He said, don't stop doing what you're doing. So church, I'm here this morning to ask you to help us to keep doing what we're doing. And that is getting copies of God's word out. You know, not everybody in Malawi got a Bible, not even all the students. Not all the students in Uganda got a copy of the Bible. We're about $8 million behind on how many orders for Bibles we get to how many we can actually print and send out. We're consistently behind. We can't keep up with the demand. And one of the biggest places of demand that we can't keep up is China. We're in China and we cannot keep up with the Bibles that they're asking for. So we need your help to keep doing what we're doing. Now, thank you very much for the time you've given me here this morning. Bless you, buddy. Bless you. Man, fantastic word this morning. Church, don't stop doing what you're doing. Kavanaugh does a lot. We give a lot. We go a lot. We tell a lot. Let's stop thinking about it and do it. I'm going to ask that you bow your head right now. God is speaking to hearts this morning, I know, through Brad's testimony and his message. Maybe God is speaking to you about salvation. Maybe you're here today and you've never invited Jesus into your heart. It's the Word of God that teaches us and shows us that we can be saved. All you have to do is confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, and you can be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, that person can be saved. So this morning, if you've never called upon the name of the Lord, I invite you to come to the altar and do that today. Invite Jesus into your heart. If you're here today and you've got issues or problems that you don't know the answer for, the answer is found in God's Word. And I'm so thankful that 500 years ago, a guy realized that, you know what, we don't have to go through these sacraments. We don't have to tell a man and have a man pray. We can go straight to the throne of God. And the Scripture provides salvation if we only believe. So today, bring your problems to Jesus. He has an answer in His Word. Just come to Him today. Heavenly Father, I pray that You would bless those who need to come and pray. And dear Lord, for those of Kavanaugh Church, may we come today and pray that we would be used by You. 
that we would go where we haven't been going and do what we haven't been doing and give like we've never given before so that people can know the truth and be saved.